It's a Mandy and Hattie podcast. Stranger Things! Hi, my name is Hattie. Hi, I'm Mandy. We are a mother-daughter duo, and we decided it would be fun to rewatch some of our favorite shows together and do a podcast to recap these shows. So we're pretty excited about that. We decided to start off with our current favorite, which is Stranger Things. That's right, Patty. It's Stranger Things. We went and rewatched season one, episode one, together today, and that is, of course, called Chapter One: The Vanishing of Will Byers. I have watched this show about like seven times already. <laughs> yeah, she has officially surpassed me. I think I have watched Stranger Things in its current entirety. About three times. The first time with Hattie's dad, my husband, and then the last two times, and now going on the third time to watch with Hattie. So I'm on my fourth rewatch now. Yes. Yeah, so we're pretty excited. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. So to start us off, we see that it is November 6th, 1983 in Hawkins, Indiana. And it takes place first at the Hawkins National Laboratory, U.S. Department of Energy. It is dark. There are flickering lights. An alarm is blaring and an unknown man in a lab coat running afraid. He tries to get into the elevator and is successful. But before anything else happens, something unknown grabs him from the roof of the elevator and we cannot see what it is that grabbed him. Then in another scene, there are four boys in the basement that are playing a game. The first thing we heard is someone say Demogorgon in the same sentence as Will. Now, so they lost the dice and they're trying to find it when Mike's mom comes in and tells them it's time to stop. The dice was found, and apparently it was a seven. So the interesting thing about this is that it was Will's turn, and he had two choices. He was kind of at a a place where he had to make a very important decision. One of his friends was telling him to cast the fireball spell, I guess. (laughs) it's They're playing Dungeons & Dragons, which admittedly I have not played. Um, And then the other friend is telling him to cast the protection spell and will makes a choice to cast the fireball but the dice had rolled off the table they didn't know what it was the three boys which were will lucas and dustin saw that it was a seven mike did not yet see it he was arguing with his mom about it being a school night he wanted to play a little longer she said no yes Um, As Will, Lucas, and Dustin were about to leave, Will tells Mike it was a seven. They were riding their bikes, as in Will, Lucas, and Dustin. (laughs) Um, And Lucas has turned another way. They're on Mirkwood now, um, and Dustin and Will were racing to Dustin's house. Um, Will got a head start, and whoever got there first would get to have a comic. Um, and Will said, I'll take your X-Man 
1.134. That's right. And just to jump back a second, the important thing about the dice being a 7 is that it meant that the Demogorgon got Will. So um, that was not a good outcome. But he was honest with Mike, so that was good. But now back to Mirkwood. So Will is riding around and Dustin is behind, so Dustin isn't with him right now. Um, he was riding around and goes past a restricted area, hearing a noise. His bike light flickered and he falls off his bike seeing something in front of him. I think maybe that restricted area that he went into, maybe that was more, maybe. Anyway, doesn't matter. So he looks up and runs to his house. His dog was barking and Will was yelling, Mom, Jonathan, still running. He looks out the window and I don't know if it shows that he sees anything or not. He can't really see anything. We, we actually rewound it and played it a few times because we wanted to see if we could see what he thought he saw, but we couldn't, so. <laughs> yeah, um, so he runs to the phone and picks it up. He dialed a number and he said, hello, and I then. I seen him dial a one, so I'm wondering if he tried to call 911, maybe. Oh. And I wanted to ask you, actually, what are your thoughts on the phone? Because I have used those phones in my day <laughs> to age myself, but you don't really have experience with phones like that. So what do you what do you think about that? What do you mean? What do I think? Like, what do you think it would be like to have to use a phone that's attached to the wall <clears throat> with a cord? I think it would be fine, but if I was in an emergency like that, um. I wouldn't want to use it. No, why not? Because it would be harder to dial the number faster. Oh, okay. And I mean, I guess the nice thing about cell phones or even cordless phones to go back, and I mean, we actually have a cordless phone in our house too now, so you do have that experience, is at least like if you wanted to run to a different room or a different part of your house or lock yourself in a room or whatever the case may be, it's something you can take with you. You're not attached by the cord to the wall. Anyways, I just kind of wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on that particular phone, but go ahead. Okay, so he um, dials the number on the phone. He picks it up and says, hello. So he sees something through the door window, like the top of the door, and he starts to run. Ooh, can I interject there? Of course. Thanks. So if I recall, the line rang when he called, and there was the sound of it being picked up. Then there was a weird noise either coming from the phone itself or from whatever this figure was outside. And I also noted that this strange figure that was outside was able to, from outside, slide. Yeah, I wrote that in here. Oh, that was, you had that written later. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Um, so, <laughs> um, he's going past the window. And the lock was like, it slid it open and like how did he do that from outside 
Like, yeah, that was very the strange. The like, figure. does it have, like, powers or something? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And the phone also um, went from, it had been answered, and then all of a sudden it was beeping like it had been, the line had been disconnected. Yes. So, he drops the phone and runs outside to the shed. He gets, like, this box of ammo, and he opens it, and he loads his, he loads, like, a gun um, with ammo. And it's, like, really dark in the shed, and he hears, like, weird noises. The light starts to turn on, like, really bright, and then it turns off, like, just like that. Um, and then Will, he disappeared. Yeah, the shed is now empty and dark. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so then we have, of course, the wonderful intro music. Um, yes, and beautiful. Beautiful. And also at the end of that intro, it says the same thing we already said in the beginning, which is chapter one, The Vanishing of Will Byers. And I'm just going to quickly talk about something that I forgot to mention in our intro as well, which is that though Hattie and I both have watched Stranger Things a number of times, what we're trying our best to do is to, in this rewatch, and as we're making our notes and stuff, come from a place as though we have not watched the show before. Yes. That way, if we do end up ever having any listeners, and they are only just starting this amazing show now... We don't ruin it. Yeah, we don't want to have any spoilers in the show. So what we're trying to do is to um, talk to you as though we are also watching it for the first time, as best we can. We can't guarantee there won't be any slip-ups, but as far as spoilers, we will do our very, very best to not have any of those. Okay, so now it is morning, and we are at um, a house we haven't yet seen can see lots of beer on the table the tv is on and there's someone sleeping on the couch a dog barks and wakes him up he walks outside we hear birds we see trees maybe a lake of some sort and then he has a smoke and a beer brushes his teeth and he puts on his police uniform so this is a policeman also he has a shower don't forget that oh i did forget that i did not note that Okay. Oh, and now it's you. Oh. Um, so, we have turned to another house. Looks very similar to the one Will was in last night. I think it's the same house. Yeah. Yeah. We do know. <laughs> we do find out this is the same house as last night. You're right. Yes. <laughs> um, so, someone says, where are the keys? Another person replies that they don't know. And she asks... Jonathan, where are the keys? So we know that this um, boy is Jonathan. and Which is one of the names Will was calling last night. Right. That's right. Yeah. So Jonathan, where are the keys? And this lady who is actually his mom and Will's mom, she's in a rush and she's looking for her keys, as we said again. (laughs) And Jonathan is making breakfast. So Will's mom asks oh this is your part go (laughs) so will's mom asks jonathan 
um, where Will is. And Jonathan says that he didn't get Will up yet. So Jonathan's mom said that you have to get Will up too. Will, time to get up. Did he come home last night? She says to Jonathan. Then Jonathan says, I don't know. I was working. Joyce says that you can't work shifts while I'm working. Yeah, she's very angry because yes. she wanted him to be home with to Will. Will. Yeah. Jonathan told her that Will had been at the Wheelers all day yesterday. So she called the Wheelers, who we find out is Mike's family. We learn that Mike's mom is named Karen, and Will's mom is named Joyce. Karen tells Joyce that Will left after 8 last night. Joyce says he probably just went to school early. That's right. So now we're at the school, and Mike and the two other friends from the night before, who I think we already mentioned are actually named Lucas and Dustin, though we haven't actually heard their names yet, I don't think. They ride up on their bikes, and they are discussing Will, and saying that he probably did just come into school early, like he does sometimes by the sounds of things. And two other boys end up walking up to them. And they are not very nice. I will go into a little bit of detail and say they called the three of them freak show, which is just awful. And they had really mean names for the three of them. Midnight is the name they had for Lucas. Frogface is the name they had for Mike. And Toothless is the name that they had for Dustin. Now, the reason I wanted to mention that even though I do think it's very rude and I do not like it, is because Dustin mentions that he has, um, hopefully I'm saying this right, cleidocranial dysplasia. And they ask him to do the elbow thing. And so he can do this neat thing where he can pull his shoulders in front of his body. So the reason that I wanted to make a point of mentioning it is because... The actor who plays Dustin, his name is Gatton Matarazzo the third, if I hopefully said that correctly. Yeah, the third. Um, he actually does have this cleidocranial dysplasia. And so they actually wrote that into the storyline. And so I think it's really great to be able to draw attention to things and that way people can learn about them. So what I found out about cleidocranial dysplasia is that it's a genetic condition which affects the growth of the skull, face, teeth, hands, and other bones in the body. And sometimes people are even born without collarbones as um, Gatton was. Am I saying that right, Gatton? Gatton. Gatton, I'm sorry, Gatton. <laughs> Gatton. And also, Gaten works for a nonprofit organization called CCD Smiles. And so, if you would like to donate to this incredible organization, you can visit them at ccdsmiles.org. Now, back to the show. Mike says after the other boys walk away, and as they're walking away, that he thinks it's cool. That means, um, what 
Dustin can do. He said, it's like you have superpowers or something. Dustin replies, yeah, except you can't do anything with it. We then see Mike's older sister, Nancy, walking with a friend. They're talking about a boy. We heard from the boys the night before that his name is Steve Harrington. She is telling her friend that it isn't very serious. They just made out a couple of times. There is a note in her locker from Steve to meet in the bathroom. And so the next scene, we find Steve and Nancy in the bathroom kissing. The bell rings and he offers to help her study for her test as she had already declined hanging out because she needed to study. She tells him to meet her at eight to study. And I think it was a deer born in maple. <laughs> the police officer from earlier is the police chief. He is informed that Joyce cannot find her son. He says mornings are for coffee and donuts. He walks into his office and finds that Joyce is there. She calls him Hopper. The police chief says he probably is playing hooky, but Joyce knows that Will wouldn't do that. That is not in Will's characteristic. She says he is very sensitive and Lonnie used to call him strange. Lonnie is Will and Jonathan's dad. Hopper asked when's the last time she heard from Lonnie. She said about a year ago, and that was in Indianapolis. Hopper says 99 out of 100 of the time when a kid goes missing, they're with a parent or relative. Joyce says, what about the other time? He said 99 out of 100. What about the 1%? Hopper says, the worst thing that happens was an owl attack. Yeah, nothing ever happens in Hawkins, so that's not possible, essentially, is what he's telling her. Yeah, she says she will talk to Lonnie, but begs him to find him. So now we're at the lab. Three men show up and address Dr. Brenner. He leads them inside. They are evacuating the east wing within the hour and sealing off this area following quarantine protocols. So they entered off the sealed off area. They put on all the PPE, head to toe coverage, oxygen, oxygen tanks, and they enter an area with flashlights that shine upon a slimy dark chunk on the wall. There are specks of white floating all around them and we see a hole that appears to be made out of some sort of a viney goop of some sort. Someone asks, that's where it came from? That is confirmed, and then they say, and the girl? To which the reply is, she can't have gone far. Outside, we see a barefoot kid in what looks like a hospital gown. They had a shaved head. The kid sees a man taking out the garbage out of a building. The kid goes inside, sees someone chatting, including the man the kid saw outside. The kid goes through some doors and finds herself in a restaurant kitchen. The kid begins eating fries, is spotted by the man. He yells, hey, and she runs with the fries. He catches the kid and says, you think you can steal from me, boy? But then says, what the hell? Back at the school, and the three boys stay after class to talk with the teacher. 
They are anxious to see if something has arrived. The teacher plays with them a little bit, but eventually takes them to a room where we see a big ham radio that we find out can reach all the way to Australia. And this is actually where we first find out that the other boys besides Mike are named Lucas and Dustin, and that they are all in the AV club. That teacher is also in charge of the AV club. Some police officers show up, including Police Chief Hopper, and they take the boys to the principal's office to answer some questions about Will. They tell him that Will takes Mirkwood home, and that's a name the boys gave a road in town, um, but the name is actually from The Hobbit. They want to help look, but are told to go right home after school. Joyce is outside, and she sees a fort called Castle Byer. She makes a doorbell sound. Can I come in? Password, says a familiar voice. Uh, Radagast? You may enter, says Will, reading a comic. Joyce says she got off early, and she is holding tickets to a movie Will was not allowed to see. The movie is Poltergeist. Yes. Joyce says she changed her mind to go see it, as long as he doesn't have nightmares. But unfortunately, it was all a memory. Joyce is looking in Castle Byers, and Will is not there. Jonathan and Joyce yell for Will in the woods. Back at the restaurant, the man is cooking burgers and gives one to the girl who is now wearing a yellow shirt. He tries talking to her, thinking she might be a runaway. She doesn't answer. He takes the burger and tells her that she can have it back once she answers some questions. He introduces himself to her as Benny and teaches her how to shake hands. She still won't talk. He notices a tattoo on her left wrist with 011, the numerals on it. Her first words are no, and then 11, telling him her name is 11. Unbeknownst to 11, he calls social services, worried that she may have been kidnapped or possibly is a runaway. He gives the address. There is a fan blowing that appears to annoy Eleven away from where he is having this conversation. She glares at it, and it stops. We are now at the road that Will takes home with Chief Hopper and his two other deputies. They are calling Will's name... And Chief Hopper says he found something. He found Will's bike. Chief Hopper doesn't think he would leave it even if he was a bit hurt. Now we get a glimpse of people in a room with headphones on listening to other people's phone conversations. We hear Joyce calling Lonnie and speaking to his girlfriend, Cynthia. It seems to result in a hang-up. Joyce shoved the phone in the wall in anger, then picked it up and made a voicemail to Lonnie. Jonathan was making posters to find Will. The police are outside with the bike. They come inside and look around Joyce's house. There is a dent in the wall from the doorknob, is what it looks like. The dog is barking outside, facing the shed. Hopper is concerned and went toward the shed. Meanwhile, Joyce took in the dog, saying that he's probably just hungry. Yes. 
He turned the light on. He picked up an empty box of ammo, then touched what looked like a hook. We weren't sure on this. We rewound and played several times, but from what we can tell, it's some sort of a black hook. And oddly, the light just turned off. He looked around with a flashlight and sees a pile of what looks like wood. The light turns on the same time one of the deputies walk in and scared Hopper. Hopper walks outside and says they need a search party and to bring flashlights. Now it's dark and we are at the Wheeler's house and they're having supper. Mike is telling his family that they should be out looking for Will. He is worried that he might be in danger. His mom tells him that is all the more reason not to go. Nancy asks her mom if she can still go over to Barb's to study, which we the viewers know to be a lie because she plans to meet up with Steve. Her mom says until they know Will is okay, no one will be leaving the house. Nancy is mad. Mike says she is just upset because she wants to hang out with her new boyfriend, Steve, which is news to her parents. She leaves the table in a huff. Mike thinks no one cares about Will. His dad says they care, but now Mike leaves the table, followed by Karen and Holly, leaving Mike's dad, Ted. This also was a bit of a funny moment for the viewers, as Karen says, I hope you enjoy your chicken, Ted. And he replies, what did I do? (laughs) Now we're in the scene of the search party in the woods. The science teacher says to Jim, Will is a great student, Hopper said. Sarah, my daughter, always understood galaxy and stuff. Your daughter, what grade is she? Maybe I'll get her in my class. No, she lives in the city with her mom, Hopper said. Someone random comes up to Clark once Hopper leaves. She said she died a few years back, Jim's daughter. That is very sad. Mike uses his radio to call Lucas. They are both worried about Will and Michael, Michael, Mike says that Will could have cast protection in the game they had been playing last night, but he didn't. He instead put himself in danger to help the party. So Lucas tells Mike to meet him in 10. Mike puts his flashlight in his backpack and we see him pedaling past his house and he sees he sees rather Steve trying to sneak into his house. Back inside the house, we see Nancy. She's in her room looking at her cue cards studying. All of a sudden there's a knock on her window and Steve was successful. She scolds him saying she is under house arrest, but he convinces her to let him stay to help her study. At Benny's, Eleven is on the counter eating ice cream. There is a knock on the door. Benny opens it. It is social services. At least she says she's social services. Yes. Eleven sees them and they shot Benny. Eleven runs in horror and she is surrounded by more men, including Dr. Brenner. We remember Dr. Brenner was in an earlier scene back at the lab. Yes. So he's looking for Eleven and the men are surrounding Eleven. At the back door, yeah. And he's at the front door with the lady that introduced herself as social services. Dr. Brenner goes to the back door. After hearing a big commotion. Yes, and sees the men dead on the floor. 
he looks outside and no one was there. No sign of Eleven. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> now we see Mike, Dustin, and Lucas riding their bikes. They find the spot that Will's bike had been found. It starts raining and we can hear thunder. Dustin is hesitant, but the three of them head into the woods. Back at the Wheeler house, Steve is quizzing Nancy with her cue cards. They end up making out on her bed. She essentially tells him she just wants him there to study and that she is not like other girls he might have dated. So he just starts quizzing her again. Back at Joyce's house, Joyce and Jonathan are creating posters for Will. They are looking at pictures for the poster. Joyce says she is sorry she hasn't been there for Jonathan. And Jonathan is starting to cry and saying he should have been there for him. Joyce says it was not his fault. And Joyce says she can feel he's close and that you have to trust me. Yeah, she says that she can feel it in her heart. Mm -hmm. The phone rings. Joyce says, hello? Monty? Hopper? Who is this? There's heavy breathing in the phone and a weird sound we have heard earlier. I called it a strange monster sounding sound. <laughs> <clears throat> Joyce says, who is this? What have you done to my son? The phone shocks Joyce? Yeah, it kind of looks like electricity um, flowed through the phone and then um, shocked her and caused her to drop the phone. Yeah. Jonathan picks it up and the phone was broken. Jonathan picks up the phone and says, hello. Who is this? It is broken, so he just shoves it back in the wall. I like the way you said that, Hattie. Shoves it back into the wall. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so Jonathan says, Mom, was it Will? What did he say? Joy says, it was his breathing. I know it. Jonathan comforts her. Back to the three boys in the woods. They're walking through the woods amidst the darkness, rain, and thunder with their flashlights hollering for Will. Dustin wants to go back. He reasons that if Will walked into something bad, that they might be about to walk into the same thing with no weapons or anything. Mike thinks he hears something. Then the other two boys hear it as well. When they turn around, there is Eleven. And that's the end of the first episode. Very exciting. High five. We did it. Yay. Any thoughts on that first episode? Not really. How about you? I think it was very well done. I think it was entertaining and drew the viewer in right off the beginning of it and introduced us to the main characters and kind of left us on a cliffhanger too. We're going to see what happens next yeah. with the boys meeting Eleven. So let us know your thoughts on the first episode. If you'd like to send us a message, you can reach us by email, our address is mandyandhattie at gmail.com. That's M-A-N-D-Y-A-N-D-H-A-D-D-I-E at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed our first episode, and we hope to get the next one out to you as soon as possible. possible. <laughs> Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye.